Father, I ask that you give me David Sisson's accent. (laughs) Give him mine. (laughs) A lot of people come up to me and tell me that I look like, I mean, I uh, sound like Dave Ramsey. Is that true? I wish I had half his money. (laughs) Thank you. You know, a lot of times charismatics can think that a heaviness, it means something's wrong. It's just a, it's a reverence. It's like the kabod, the deep glory of God. I get skeptical when I hear a lot of people having encounters with God and they're, they don't have some Isaiah 6 in it. When Isaiah sees the train of his robe, He didn't blog about it. He hid his face. I think there's going to be times in heaven. You remember, you remember men when you were in love with your spouse and you just find yourself staring at her. My wife and I went to the Biltmore house. Um, this past weekend up to the Biltmore property with John and Jesse Flowers and I caught myself at dinner of just staring at my wife and she kept looking at me and I just kept staring at her. There, there, ought to be, there ought to be times where you don't really have anything to say to God other than you're just overwhelmed by his power and his goodness, his sovereignty, his kingship, um, his friendliness towards us. You know, we're in a pretty good position. You're a child of the Most High. (laughs) It's not metaphor. A lot of people read the Bible as metaphor way too much. We should probably get out of our earthly, earthly realm mindsets more. I'm a child. He's my father. And I don't think I should ever get too comfortable with that. Or There should be times just like with our spouses where I know I've outpunted my coverage. I, I mean, y'all remind me of that all the time. I get it. I know that. <laughs> Hancock's always telling me that. I'm just, there's, there ought to be times where we just sit and just, we're still. And we're like, this is amazing. You know, even if you die today, you know where you're going forever? It's a pretty good deal. <laughs> uh, I want to address something. Hopefully you hear my heart on this. In the, in the past 10 weeks, I've received an unusual amount of negative prophetic words. And I'm not the type of person that thinks that's bad. Because let's just be honest, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think probably because of what's going on in the spiritual realm around here and things that God's doing and getting ready to do, there's, there's just an increased level of warfare. But if you're not careful... You can focus more on the strategy of the devil than the protection of our dad. This isn't a rebuke, not mad at anyone. I've just, I have been flooded with negative words. I don't need a negative word that tells me that the enemy would like to take me out or, that's that's a Logos word, John 10, 10. He's trying, he's, that's his goal. (laughs) Um... 
I just, I want to read something, Isaiah. You, you, you talk about, you talk about awesome. This is a prophecy given where, just for the sake of time, I'll probably just, it says in Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, you wanted to ascend to the most high, but you were cast down. And the nations stare at you and wonder and ponder. You're the one, you're the one that made the nations tremble. It's a prophecy given of how the saints, when they see the enemy, they're like, this guy? I want to tell you something. Revelation 20, I do want to read this. I was taking so many notes as they were leading us in worship. By the way, Janice, where are you at? Where's Janice? Where, where's she at? She here? She transported? She pulled an Enoch. She sang like that and God took his vacuum cleaner. Where is she? You know, just because you sing doesn't mean the devil hates that woman. And as well he should. You remember when the demons, the sons of Sceva, they're like, hey, I know Paul. Who are you? They know Janice. Listen to this in Revelation 20. And I saw an angel, A-N. I saw an angel. Everyone say an. Coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand, his hand, not there, singular, one, one angel. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. An angel, he, his. It takes one angel from the father's release to take care of the big bad devil for a thousand years. We probably should be reminded in times of warfare that a bunch of negative words should drive us more to adore and be in awe that our father, when the time comes, only has to release one angel to handle him. You probably don't have to wrestle with the devil as much as you think you do. But let it be done to you as you believed. A lot of people that experience tons of spiritual warfare actually invite it with their own intercessory prayers. Man, I didn't, I'm telling you, I did not plan on this this morning. Here's the strategy. The highest form of effective spiritual warfare is intimacy, focused on the Father, not on the devil. And I'm not making fun of negative words. I get it. I understand. But what I understand is, let's just say that I was over at, on the playground and a five-year-old came up to Jack Norris threatening to kill him and beat him up with a wiffle ball bat. I'm being serious, okay? Coming after my eight-year-old with a wiffle ball bat. Not a gun, a wiffle ball bat. I would walk over and say, tell me what's going on here. You plan on attacking my son with a wiffle ball bat? Where, where are your parents? Where are they at? Because if I want to, this can get really rough for you. If you glance at the father, he actually releases angels on your behalf way more than if you turn your attention to the devil to wrestle with him. Matter of fact, if you turn your attention to the devil to wrestle with him, more demons will be released and you'll think you're actually walking in a higher form of like spirituality because you have all this warfare. Perhaps you have a lot of warfare because you're not in Psalm 91. I know that the enemy would love to take us out. My heavens. 
But if he had so much authority, why not just come into our houses at three in the morning, kill us all? He doesn't have that authority. So how does he kill us? He kills us with our thought patterns. And so if he can get in your thought patterns, you think you're actually, you're just exhausted. You've been going after the enemy and you're serving God. And the whole time the father's saying, I swear I thought my yoke was easy. My burden was light. I could have swore I said, I'll prepare for you a a feasting table in the presence of all those devils. Don't be more devil-minded than Abba-minded. When I feel spiritual warfare coming on to me, recently, this past weekend, I just got another word and I was just, I just said, you know what, Father? Here, you take the word, Father. I have been more relaxed in the last 48 hours. I've just been, I woke up this morning in peace. My big brother is the king of the universe and his father invented the whole thing. His father said, I tell you what, um, you are now cast down with a third of your cohorts. The enemy did not sneak out of heaven. He was escorted out of heaven. And the one who escorted him out of heaven is your father. There's great benefits to being born again. And I just think sometimes the father needs to remind us Yes, he is real. And yes, John 10, 10 is real. But so am I. I'm real too. You guys ever heard the story of Black Bart? True story back in the old Wild West. He was the most wanted man in the old Wild West. He used to jump on stagecoaches. True story. And he would tell people to give him all their money. He was, he was uh, ruthless. And they caught this fellow one day out behind a, like a store. And they... He said he was Black Bart, and they were like, yeah, whatever, because he had a squeaky voice. Didn't have any bullets in his gun. But over two years, he terrorized the Wild West. His legend grew. He never had a bullet in his gun. Some people need to understand that the enemy is way more like a, a Barney Fife than some huge. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. The same power that raised a king from the grave is inside of me. Do you not know that you're a temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? James says, you resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word flee in Greek means to run in stark terror. He runs in stark terror from you. Only, there's, everybody say if. Only if you resist him. The best way to resist the enemy is to build so much deep friendship with the father that he just leaves you alone. You can get to a place where he's like, I don't know what else to do. He'll just go mess with somebody else. In the spirit realm, the demonic realm knows who who has the oil of Jesus Christ all over them. I went to hear Bill Johnson preach about 10 years ago at Morningstar. It was actually a funny story. I I I preached at a Baptist church that weekend. We ended like at 8.30 p.m. I got a word of knowledge. This is what the Holy Spirit said. Bill's charismatic. Morningstar, they won't even start preaching until nine, Chad. You can make it. And I wrote it down. (laughs) Sure enough, I got over there. We were done at the Baptist church. They were just getting started. And I didn't know Bill, didn't know much about him. I walked in, this uh, tall man, handsome looking fella, silver hair, probably in his 60s. I had just read a Charles Card book. Charles Card? Charles Carr. Carr, huh? Charles Capps. I read a Charles Katz book on authority the day before. It was on authority. And in the middle of Bill's sermon, this elderly man grabbed my chest. I needed a change of underpants. I, I love charismatics, man. I love them. 
Because, you know, you don't do that in the Baptist church growing up. This guy grabs my chest. <laughs> my heart goes through my feet. He puts his finger in my face. And he says, you listen to me. When you walk into a room, evil spirits can't stand you. They flee because you're even here. You just read a book on authority. You're stepping into a high level of authority in the kingdom of God. And I was like, yes, sir, please don't hurt me. Yes, sir. <laughs> he turned out to be Billy Graham's chaplain in his ministry for many years. I found him later. Um, you know, Jude... Jude gives a picture. We should, we should be sober-minded. I'm not saying treat the enemy lightly at all. A couple of weeks ago, out of the blue, Wendy was on the women's retreat, and I had a presence of evil in my room for about 20 minutes, and it's the first time that's happened since I wrote about it in my book. And um, it didn't leave immediately when I just said the name of Jesus. It was it a was high level of terror. So I'm not saying be juvenile about it. But I can also tell you, after 10 minutes of praying that thing through, once again, I, just like the, when I wrote about it, it happened 10 years or 14 years ago, even the atmosphere in my room changed. I could sense angelic activity when that presence left. Here's what I'm saying. We have a lot of benefits to having God as our Father. And just because we're spirit-filled and, and a lot of people in here are seers and we can operate in the prophetic realm, Let's just be more prophetic towards how big God is than the strategies of the enemy. That's all. Okay, I want to go to Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And I want to read a passage. You know what? No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't want to do that. I want to go to Matthew 20. And I want to read something before we jump in for 20, 25 minutes here. Matthew 20 is a very interesting passage a mom goes to jesus christ this is right around the crucifixion by the way and ask one of the most non-smart questions in the bible matthew 20 verse 20 i know i didn't give you guys this passage back there but that's okay then the mother of zebedee's sons came to jesus with their sons kneeling down asked a favor of him this is like at the pinnacle of his this is right before he gets arrested and What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. You know, just because we are born again, spirit-filled and going to heaven when we die... When we come into his presence, we should not be so loose with our language. Well, Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. I like how he says, you will, not you can. You will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Gosh, I wish I had that scene. <laughs> Don't you wish? I just, because, you know, we, we think of these guys as like halos on their heads. They're normal guys like us. I can so picture Simon Peter saying, come here. What did you ask him? Step outside. You know, the same guy that cut the ear off of Malchus has no problem beating up his covenant brother, one of the 12 disciples. You asked him what? What? 
I love the fivefold model that we see in Ephesians. I love being apostolic. I love the fact that people have assignments and they're different. And I do believe there's rank on earth and I do believe God loves structure. But at the end of the day, no matter what your assignment is or no matter what the title that the Father gives you or I, there should be a drive in us that just remembers at the end of the day, we're just kids with a really big dad. And if you are the apostle over the apostles and you've been given jurisdiction over a region, maybe even a country, to the degree in which you're elevated, I wanna go to Philippians 2, to the degree in which you're elevated, with a title, with structure, even as it relates to the fivefold, or in Corinthians, uh, your spiritual gifts. There has to be one driving core DNA on a cellular spiritual level of who we are, and it's Philippians 2. I'm fascinated by the fact that Jesus stepped off of a throne to come down here. He was the son of the Most High, and this is how he is described in Philippians 2. Verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. I find it fascinating that 12 men could spend so much time with this person over a three-year period. And at the end, a mom is arguing about her two sons being at the top of the food chain. What if I told you that if you do sense that there is a large assignment on your life, that there is a guarantee that it's actually going to be harder for you because if he deems you worthy to give a large assignment, he's going to deem you worthy to graft into the image of his own son. And the image of his own son, if Jesus were on the earth today, he would not be pursuing his assignment the way many, if not most of his followers do. Time, things haven't changed too much since the two boys argued, even talked to the mom. Eugene Peterson says the point of spiritual life is death. It's to empty yourself into nothing. I mean, listen to this, verse seven, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. I've been vocal about it over the years. I had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ 15 or 16 years ago. He was 5'11", 185 pounds, had hair down to here. His power didn't knock me out of my chair when I saw him in an open vision. His love did. And I haven't talked about it much, but when I saw him, the thing that caught me off guard is the tunic he was wearing looked like it cost probably five bucks, maybe. What's Isaiah say about him? There's nothing becoming about him in appearance. I do understand when we get to heaven, we're probably going to be in shock at his majesty, his power, his kingship. I think there is a literal throne in a literal throne room. I know he's a king. But when he came here, I'm not even prophesying this. He made himself nothing. Was not even born in Jerusalem. Was born in Nazareth. I'm not going to name towns to try to embarrass anyone in here. But in our surrounding areas... You know, there's a lot of play, people that say they live in Greenville. They really don't. They live in some other towns that GPS can't find. <laughs> and you go there 
And it seems just uh, more relevant to say you're from Greenville. I love it when I, I have a lot of friends in Atlanta. They'll live two hours from downtown Atlanta. Have y'all seen this? Where are you from, Atlanta? You fly out of the Roanoke, Virginia airport and you say you live in Atlanta? I saw it in New York when we travel. It's cooler to say we ate in Soho. God Almighty stepped onto the earth, went to Nazareth. I bet you the angels just thought, man, this is incredible. Nazareth. This is what Satan cannot stand to this day about our most high God. He hates it. He hates it. Satan hates the humility and the nothingness of God. He hates it. So what he'll do is he'll try to find a bunch of God's children and inject his own DNA in us to where we say we love him, but we're clamoring for a position just the way those two sons were. (laughs) What if the point of your life is not even your assignment? What if when you get to heaven, we hear all those jokes about Simon Peter at the pearly gates? And what if when you get to heaven, they say, you will be rewarded. This is just hypothetical. Chad 316, please don't send me an email. Send it to Teresa.Harris at bridgewaychurch.org. Okay, let's see. Your eternal resting place is going to be determined based upon, let's see here. Um, did you consider equality with God something to be grasped? Okay, did you make yourself nothing? Did you take on the nature of a servant down there? Um, did you humble yourself? Were you obedient to your assignment to the point of death? You know what's awesome about getting a, an assignment from heaven you do not have to exercise faith to dream about what that is. You just have to be still and know that he is God and wait for him to reveal what it is he wants you to do. And you don't just have one assignment in your lifetime. You can have many assignments. And obedience takes you through each assignment. My orders come from the Father. The closer I get to God, the more uncomfortable he is making me. He's actually causing more tension in my life. I've said this before and I remember it and I'm, I'm really am leaning into walking it out. I was taking the trash out and I asked him something about something. And he said, Chad, I don't care about your sermons nearly like you think I do. And I thought, well, that's not very nice. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be incompatible with God. We went to the Biltmore house. I think this is the sixth time I've been. And uh, I, I'm just... I love the gardens at, the, at Bitmore. You guys love the, you've ever been up there? I could sit in the gardens all day. But once I've been through that house two or three times, I mean, I've seen it. And you just look at that same couch. Like some people can walk through there for months and enjoy it. And I get it. Some people can go to the Louvre in, in France and walk around forever. Wendy and I went to a very nice um, museum in New York. And I'm, I'm just being honest. I was ready to leave in 10 minutes. And the guy asked me if I wanted a four-day pass. Do you remember that? I said, a a pass for what? But some people, you know, you just go in there forever. And so I just daydreaming at the Biltmore house to escape anxiety two days ago. And I started thinking about George Vanderbilt. And John Flowers was like a tour guide. I mean, he knows, he knows enough about Biltmore House. It's amazing. And John was telling me a lot about George. 
And he was telling me a story of George, the wealthiest family in America at the time, who traveled up Chicago and walked in this bookstore, didn't have any money on it. It's funny how that works. You can buy the country, you, know, you lost your wallet. It's like your college roommate. You're like, are you kidding me? You, lost, you didn't bring your wallet again to the grocery store? And he walks in, he's very polite. He could have bought the bookstore. He could have bought the street the bookstore was on. He was an avid reader. I think he read 21,000 books in his lifetime. He averaged like 87 books a year that he read, something crazy. Or he had 21,000 books. And he's in this bookstore and he says to this, this man, these are the books that I would like to take back uh, to my house. House is a loose term. <laughs> that was a bachelor pad, by the way. And uh, the man said, well, I'm sure you do, but I mean, that's not going to happen. And George said, that's not a problem. He didn't cause a stink over it. He said, if you just call the hotel where I'm staying, I'll have some people come over and get the books and they can pay for it. So he called the hotel and he immediately was on the phone and was like, oh. And he hung up and he's like, you know, sir, why didn't you tell me who you were? And he said, well, it's okay. He didn't go in there saying, I am George Vanderbilt. I have built a 60 million square foot chalet overlooking 20 billion acres. <laughs> and they said about George, he's just real common. You know, there's something to be said about the relationship between humility and making yourself nothing. Not for self-deprecation, by the way. Your relationship between that and long-term sustainable breakthrough all the days of your life. Because watch this, this word, therefore, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. How do you get exalted in the kingdom? You do the opposite of what those two brothers did with their mother. Instead of saying, hey, Lord, quick question. I know you're about to be arrested. It's pretty cool. You're about to give your life up for the sins of humanity. If you have a second, can my two sons be as big a deal as you are? I mean, it's kind of funny. I mean, think about it. So here's that we all fight that. Let's just get real. Let's take the gloves off. How many have you, you've seen a story of breakthrough and you know you should probably keep it to yourself but what you want to do is just, hey, I feel like I need to reconnect with John Doe. Hey, how you doing, man? What's been going on? Uh, you're not going to believe what I just saw. I just saw a pinky finger grow back when I prayed for it. It's not about me though. It's not about me at all. It's like we, there's something inside of us that that DNA of those two brothers still haunts us a little bit and I don't think I don't know if anyone on the earth ever gets to a place where you can say Philippians 2 describes you but I tell you what we control our ability to lean into it there is a downside to getting out of Lodi Bar and getting to the king's table and building friendship with God there is a downside when you become so pure in your desire to be really good friends with him man he really likes that and then he just starts taking a spotlight on you, Mr. Leader, Mrs. Whatever, in the fivefold or spiritual gifts or the ability to walk on water. <laughs> and he puts a spotlight on you and he doesn't even do it intentionally. He just exudes so much light that the closer you get to him, that light shows you anything about yourself that shouldn't be there. And I think that's why sometimes we're just like, I tell you what, you stay right there. And I'm just going to sit right here because the light decreases. But the closer I get to the light, it's like, whoa. Chad, talk less. Chad, why are you so curt in that meeting? 
Chad, why'd you reach for that piece of bread? I, I thought me and you had an understanding of the new lifestyle we're on. Get behind me, devil. That can't be you, God. Yes, it is me. I've never been happier in my life than I am right now. Uh, my marriage has never been in a place like it is. My kids are in the best place uh, that I've experienced with them. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I don't, um, my sermon prep for this sermon was on a walk with God. I didn't strain. There's no skeletons in my closet. And I'm not, I don't have anxiety about what it is that God wants me to do or what, what we're supposed to do. You know, most of charismatic theology is kingdom bent where you're always trying to do something for God. I, I'm just to the point where I'm like, you know what? Since I'm at the table, here's your light. Okay. I just want to be like him. Last night I watched um, an old, when I was thinking about this, an old YouTube clip. You remember the like Mike commercials? Like Mike, if I could be like Mike, I want to be, I want to be Mike, uh, Mike, Michael Jordan. Uh, you know, maybe our assignment should be, I don't really need anyone to define what my title is. I don't need to take another spiritual gifts test for a while. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna lean into Philippians 2 and be more like Simon Peter when Cornelius came to him than Herod. Let me show you the contrast in two things. Go to the Simon Peter passage where Cornelius falls down at Simon Peter's feet. I mean, Simon Peter's a big deal. The Lord flipped the keys to Simon Peter for the, for the church. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. The next day, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea and Cornelius was expecting them and he had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell down, uh, fell at his feet in reverence. Okay, now watch this. Peter did not ask for that. He didn't walk in demanding honor because he was the man of God. But it happened. And so even though he didn't ask for it, it did happen. And I want you to look at his response. I love this. Stand up. I'm only a man myself. The man that just said that was the apostle of the apostles of the apostles of the apostles of the apostles. He is and was a big deal. Jesus only took three men on top of the Mount Transfiguration, Peter, James, John, and Simon Peter was the point guard of those disciples. He could have said, I don't blame you. <laughs> you know what he said? He didn't talk about what he was on the fivefold. Get up. I'm just a man. What's wrong with you? If you're not careful, honor can be bastardized and it gets weird and it's not the kingdom. I'm the great man of God. So when I walk into a room, you must hold my bags. Everyone be quiet. Everyone stay seated. Because I am the evangelist of the evangelist. I have the favor of God all over me. There ought to be a part of us that no matter what our title is and our sphere of influence is, we're just a kid with a big dad that says, stand up. Herod didn't do this. How much time do I have, B.B.? Herod didn't do this. Watch this. Watch this passage. Because Herod didn't ask for the praise either. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had became of Peter. 
After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They joined together and sought an audience with him after securing the support of Blastus. Can we just take a second and just appreciate the name of his personal servant? I love, I do love it when parents name their kids after biblical figures. I'm just waiting on this one. (laughs) Baby dedication up here one day. This is Sally. This is Johnny. This is Blastos. (laughs) A trusted personal servant of the king. They asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of man. By the way, this is not Ezekiel 12. This is Acts 12. Do some barnyard math here. This is new covenant. Watch this. Immediately because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. It's not really a big deal if I seek my own throne because I'm righteous in Christ. We're all good, bro. It's all good because I'm a co-heir. I'm as clean as Jesus and I am his appointed this and that. You better have something in you that says, get up. Just a man. Herod did not ask for the praise. When it comes to you, can you deflect like Jesus did or do you want to be like the two disciples that said, I want my position. I want my place. The highest honor in the kingdom of God is the more you get elevated, the lower you get. To where you're in a conversation with someone and you actually listen to them instead of plotting your point for what you want to say to correct them. Or when you go home and you are tired because you've been serving the kingdom and Jack says you want to play horse. Go play horse. We're not as big of a deal as we think we are. The pendulum has been swung so much in spirit-filled communities that so much has been made of identity. The only reason I'm not dead right now is because God's kept my heart ticking. I mean, he loves me and I love him. But I tell you what, I'm having so much fun acknowledging that I am not the most high. I'm not. One day, this, this this, this whole thing will be done somebody's going to be at your funeral one day. You're going to be dead. I don't think there's anything wrong with making $10 million on a business deal this week. There's not. I love the idea of prosperity in the kingdom. You may have done some great things for God already. You're just a person. When you were born, you came into this world naked and someone had to clean you up and feed you for a couple of years and teach you how to speak. They'd stick you in a chair and put food on your table and just pick it up. You don't know who you are, where you come from, what are you doing? You stare at all these enormous humans around you. You're like, where am I? <laughs> the most popular person in the universe with the biggest fear of influence, you know what that person does when he wakes up in the morning? He puts on his pants one leg at a time. She does. I'm all about honor. I am. And I believe regardless of your political stance, 
now or a hundred years ago, we should honor the authorities in our lives, the delegated authority by God, governors, mayors, pastors. I love the book Undercover by John Bevere. It's amazing. It's wrecking us right now. But at the end of the day, we should be more like Simon Peter and say, get up. Actually, I think we should be more like this, who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. You know what I love about Jesus? This wasn't self-deprecation for him. It wasn't, oh, it's not about me. The Lord knew who he was and he still does. Jesus Christ is the most secure person I have ever met in my life. It's not self-deprecation. It's just the brutal hard facts that Jim Collins talks about. There is a God, I'm not him. And sometimes charismatics can just get a little too big for our britches. And I know Paul says 189 times that we are as clean as Jesus. Yes, but how in the world did I get as clean as Jesus? It was only his gift in the first place. I mean, think about it. When's the last time you just thought about what you've been saved from? The next time you're in conflict with someone, whether it be your spouse, hey, even yourself for crying out loud. Sometimes it's hard to get along with ourselves. Your kid, your boss, just whisper this under your breath. I put you on the cross, Jesus. I'm no better than the person who's offended with me. This is just real life humility. Herod was eaten by worms in the New Testament. So I'll close with this happy word. This is straight out of Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence a church. You ready? You may not get eaten by worms literally, although that'd be an amazing story. Kind of wish it would happen so we could just document it. You can get demoted in a hurry. And the father not even have anything to do with it. Sometimes it comes straight from his hands. And sometimes we just walk into the, the teeth of the dog. Or we walk right into the enemy's camp. Because pride, as C.S. Lewis says, takes us right into the enemy's camp. But what's the opposite of pride? You know, one of the things I like to do is when the Holy Spirit prompts me that he's done something through me. Whether it's in front of people or not. And I know that, you know, David did kill Goliath. God does love to use us to do great things like that. I just like to have a little reminder just between me and the Father. I don't do it every day, but every once in a while, I did this morning. I said, I just want to remind you, I have nothing to say apart from you. Just a little kid with a big dad. You know, a lot of times the people that God uses are like Apostle Paul where they're boasting in their weakness, not asking for a seat at the head of the table. Paul got to the point where he was like, man, every breath I have is from you. And that's okay. To the degree in which I lower myself is to the degree in which he will elevate even what he's doing through my life. So don't be a blastus. Don't be a Herod. Just be a kid. Love structure. Love honor. Yes, elevation is real. Yes, titles are real. Yes, the structure of even how it works in the kingdom with rank is real. Yeah, it is. But the great ones are more like George Vanderbilt when they walk into that bookstore. He didn't even defend his own name and who he was. He just hushed. And the books got back to his chalet and he didn't make a scene about it. They said about George, he's a very common man. Wasn't that big a deal. Reminds me a lot of Jesus Christ. 
Let's stand up and we'll pray. I'm going to ask the prayer service to come down front, please. We love the opportunity to pray for you in this church. We'll pray for anything, everything. You may have a physical need today. You may not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We love to pray with you, lead you to Jesus. Maybe your marriage needs a touch from God. Love to pray for that. Maybe your finances do. I told someone recently, perhaps we don't see more breakthrough in our lives because we have not because we've asked not. Maybe take a a chance today and step out here and ask someone that uh, has not written a book on healing to pray for you. Maybe find a kid around here and say, will you pray for me? All right, let's pray together. In the name of Jesus, may you make yourself nothing the way your king did. In his name, amen.